Welcome back to the Basic Bible Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Thompson. Again, we are joined one last time with Pastor Aaron White. Pastor Aaron, welcome back. Hello. It's good to be here. Pastor Aaron is the pastor of the River Hills Community Church. He's authored three books and used to be a blogger, even though his blog is still in his existence, and maybe it'll come back again someday, a couple of years You're from now. You're convicting so. me about my blog. I've been <laughs> doing other writing. Yes, if you go to my blog, it's horribly out of date, but... Now I'm going to have to rush home and write something fresh and put it up there. All right. Well, put on a fresh pot of coffee and get back to work. Well, at least I would have coffee. Yeah, well, I, all right. You know, we've been sitting here recording. We're, we're sitting here in one foul swoop getting this all done, and he's done it all without coffee, which just shows how superior I am because I don't need the coffee to get through this. And anyway. Um, and humble, too. Yes, it's just, yes. It, it's oozing. I, I'm not ashamed of my humility. I, you know, I'm pretty proud of it. Anyway. Um, before I get struck by lightning, let's uh, we'll jump into our final comment. We've been looking at Romans chapter eight and verse thirty. And those whom he predestined, he also called; those whom he called, he also justified; and those whom he justified, he also glorified. So we've talked about predestination and calling and justification, and we end where the end is, glorification. So talk to us about what does that mean? What is glorification? Glorification theologically is kind of the end goal, the end state yeah. for the believer's life. And so you'll notice if you're tuning in maybe for the first time or maybe you missed last week or were here before, but either way, just by way of refresher, we're looking at Romans 8.30 and you'll notice Romans 8.30 has a bit of a logical flow. And that's true, and that's why most theologians refer to Romans 8.30 as the golden chain of salvation or the Latin term is the ordo salutis. Mm. It means the order of salvation. Now granted, in order of salvation... Uh, exhaustively would include things uh, like sanctification and the election and different things. But this is really Paul's kind of succinct order of salvation, the ordo salutis. So he started in verse 29 in eternity past, showing how God saves his people. And again, by way of reminder, Romans 8, this section of Romans 8 specifically is written for Christians who are, as you can see in the chapter, they are groaning, they are suffering, they are already saved from God's condemnation, but they're not yet uh, in his presence, and so uh, what theologians call the already and the not yet, we are living in between the already and the not yet. So Paul is ministering to those living in between the already and the not yet, and one way he does that is showing them salvation from God's vantage point, uh, because he doesn't want our hope of enduring persecution to rest completely or primarily upon our dedication or our fervency or our sincerity when we prayed the prayer he wants suffering christians to see it from god's vantage point yeah. this is how god has saved you this is how you came to be in christ because in christ is the phrase paul uses over and over again romans 8 1 there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in christ so he's showing suffering christians how did, how did you come to be in christ so from god's vantage point this is how people are saved this is how god saves his people in verse 29 began in eternity past in God's foreknowledge, his intimate knowing of individuals, because it says those whom he foreknew to for love. And then it moves through this process of he, he predestines them, he calls them, he justifies them. But now it ends with the other kind of bookend, and that is they are glorified, which means they are made perfect. They are, uh, Romans 6 tells us that in this life as believers, we are freed from the power of sin. We're freed from the domination of sin but we're not yet freed from the presence of sin. But in glorification, we will be freed from the 
presence of sin. Right. Uh, we will be made as Christ is. And this is the blessed hope. This is yeah. 1 Corinthians 15. This is the resurrection. This is receiving a resurrection body that is glorified as Christ is glorified. So this is, I guess, what we would call kind of the final state. Yeah. This is what we're looking forward to. This is the day that we long for. We will be with Christ. We will be one with the Father. We will We will be where we are always meant to be. Amen. And uh, I think of Ephesians 5 is the passage I think of when I um, contemplate this idea of our our final place. Um, We're talking about Christ and the church illustrated by our human relationship uh, of husband and wife. Uh, Ephesians 5.25, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. One day, Christ will complete that work of sanctification, and it's hard for me to wrap my head around the idea of standing before God without spot or wrinkle, but I do long for that day. Amen. That's the the blessed hope of believers. That's what we're looking forward to. Um, And that's these things in Romans 8 that we see here contextually in the chapter should make us long for that day. Right. Kind of going back to, you know, looking at verse 18 and 19 and 20, that creation is groaning. It's not just us. It's creation as well. Um, If you go back to Genesis chapter 3 in the fall, God cursed the ground. He says, because of man's sin, the ground is cursed, thorns and thistles and from the sweat of your brow, you'll, you'll bring forth fruit. You will have bread, but it will be difficult. That The ground itself is cursed. And so that's why Paul kind of uses a poetic device. It's not that creation itself is a person groaning, but Paul's right. using that kind of literary device, this anthropomorphic device to say, because the curse of our sin is even on the ground, all creation is groaning. This is Romans yeah. 8. Just back up around verse 19, 20, 21. So even creation is longing for that day. It says in verse 19, For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. When will that happen? It will happen at the resurrection, when Christ glorifies his people, when he brings in the new heaven and the new earth, when he makes all things new at the end of time. So even creation uh, experiences birth pangs. You know? Which is really fascinating because when you look at the end of Revelation, chapters 20, 21, 22, you don't just see people floating in heaven with harps and clouds and whatnot, <laughs> but you see echoes of Genesis 1. You mm-hmm. see a new earth, a, a, a recreation, a cleansed earth now, this is what we were supposed to have. We are walking back into, in a sense, Eden before mm-hmm. the fall. And as you said, all things are new. The stain of sin has been washed away. And I think it's important for, because oftentimes we think about heaven, but we're thinking about is the, the, the new earth. And yeah, believers right now that pass away are in the intermediate state. Right. Uh, they're, they're not in glorified bodies. They're certainly in the presence of the Lord yeah. if they're in Christ. But technically they're in the what we call the intermediate state right they're in the presence of the lord but when we speak of what we see in revelation like you just mentioned that's the new heaven and the new earth and that 
if you go all the way back to the beginning, what you pointed to is so helpful to see the symmetry of Scripture. Yeah. The Bible begins with a paradise, a, a physical paradise, where God is dwelling with man in intimacy and joy, um, and he commands them to go and make more um, image bearers. He says he made man in his image, like a little mirror to reflect his glory. Yeah. Go make more mirrors to reflect my glory. I'm glorified, and you get the joy of being in my presence, and so it's, it works. Right. Uh, that was lost. And that's why in Romans 5, Romans is so important. That's why in Romans 5, Paul is contrasting Adam with Christ. Yeah. And he calls him the last Adam or the second Adam or the final Adam. So you have the first Adam who lost that. And then Christ, as the last Adam, restores what Adam lost. And right. so that's why Romans 8.29 says, For those whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, image bearers to reflect his glory, and when we reflect his glory, verse 29 says, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And so you see at the end of the book, it's paradise regained. Yeah. It's very pro-physical. It's a real heaven, a real earth, with real food and real people and real bodies, right. glorified bodies like Christ. Uh, God is dwelling in their presence. Um, you know, he's tabernacling with man. There is a tree <laughs> at the end, the tree right. of life. So it really is, there's symmetry from Genesis 1, 2, and 3 all the way back to Revelation 19, 20, 21, 22. And, and Romans 8 is kind of there in the middle, kind of pointing back to where we came from and also right. pointing forward to where we're going. And that's, all of that is encapsulated in the one word, glorify. Right. But what's interesting is that all the verbs in Romans eight thirty are in the aorist tense, which means they're past tense. But if you compare Romans 8.30 to Romans 8.18, it's interesting. Romans 8.18 says, For I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed, mm -hmm. future. And yet in Romans 8.30, he says we are glorified, past tense. Why does Paul do that? Perhaps our readers are looking at their Bible saying, Wait a minute, in Romans 8.18, he says we're going to be glorified, future, it's going to be revealed. And then in verse 30, he says it's past tense. Is that a typo? No, it's intentional. And Paul, again, Romans 8.30 is meant to encourage believers who are struggling. And so he puts it in the past tense because in the mind of God, although we are not there, in the mind of God, his elect, his right. predestined, his called people are already sealed. They're already glorified, which is, gives us massive hope because if we think, are we going to make it? Is he, are we going to be there it's a resounding yes. Yeah. Yes, you're going to be there. It's already done. Reading Charles Spurgeon quite some time ago on, on this topic, he was preaching a message. And who is Spurgeon? Charles Spurgeon. He's a, he's a pastor way back. You, should, you know, English pastor. <laughs> if you're, if you're listening at home, I'm totally kidding. <laughs> um, Spurgeon was having a, an imaginary conversation with somebody, and his point that this this guy was skeptical, he was struggling, and he kept pointing back. To this passage and to Revelation 21 saying, hey, we're going to get there. Don't worry, we're going to get there. And that's what I'm seeing here in, in Romans 8.30. You've been predestined, you've been called, you've been justified, you will be glorified. If you're struggling with, I don't know how I'm going to make it, how can I, the Christian life is so tough and I'm just so sinful. I'm, hey, this golden chain of salvation is not going to be broken. You've been justified, 
you're going to be glorified. You can count on this. This is a promise. It's not dependent upon you. I've already planned this from the beginning. It's God's golden chain, and you would have to be stronger than God to break that chain. Right. And that's the hope that Paul is trying to give us here. And we've referenced a number of times um, this concept of the already and the not yet. Yes. And I think that comes into full bloom with right. this idea of glorification. Like if something like justification, we said, is an instantaneous act. And this whole idea of we've already been justified and saved and placed in Christ, and but we're not yet home, that really comes to full flower with yeah. this idea of glorification. Because that, that is the essence of what has not yet right. happened. Um, so if you're thinking, well, where are we getting that terminology? Where's that? Is that concept seen somewhere outside of Romans to kind of give it a little more verification? I uh, just want to read from 1 John 3. Because it actually uses these terms. First mm. John 3, starting in verse 1, says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Verse 2 says, Beloved, we are God's children now, or already, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when He appears... We shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. So this clearly points to we are already God's children, um, but what we are going to be has not yet appeared. And it won't appear until Jesus comes. Um, And so even you just mentioned Spurgeon. We could get on a plane today, go over to, to London. I've seen pictures of his headstone. We could go to the place where his body is, and there's whatever is left of his body. But... Spurgeon is in the presence of the Lord. Right. Um, but there is a day coming when he will experience an even fuller salvation in a way that yeah. sounds a little weird to say it that way, but when his body is raised. So that's 1 Corinthians 15. Uh, what is sown as perishable is raised imperishable. Right. So you mentioned you know, this idea of floating around on clouds with harps. and uh, At best, that's a reference to the intermediate state where our spirits go to be in the presence of the Lord. I think it's Lord. a reference to Tom and Jerry, really. I think it is, too. <laughs> I, I, I read that book a lot when I was a kid. Um, but what we're talking about here in glorification is the new heavens and new earth, which is, I'm, I'm borrowing from Michael Horton, he says it's pro-physical, hmm. uh, where we'll have, right. our bodies will be raised, they'll be glorified, no more sin. We'll see Christ face to face. We'll see the wounds that, that bore our sin. We'll, we'll live in a, in a renewed Eden, of, in, in a right. sense. There'll be feasting in some regard. Jesus ate food in his glorified body after the resurrection. Right. Uh, the wedding supper of the Lamb. Uh, things that ought to provoke us to, as it says in First John 3, if we hope in this, we should purify ourselves. Right. But also it's called hope because it, it's meant to give hope. It's meant to give encouragement that it's past tense. It's going to happen. Um, even though our bodies might be decaying, even though we're not yet glorified, even though we might suffer with temptation and disease. Uh, Spurgeon passed away in 1892 uh, uh, at a seemingly younger age, and and he suffered greatly with gout and depression and anxiety and uh, kidney stones and just a number of different issues. Uh, And yet, he will be raised on the day that Christ returns. Uh, He's not suffering now. But I, we will see Spurgeon in a glorified body, and in some sense, he'll be recognizable. I think we're talking about, you know, we get into dangers to avoid, and that's exactly it. We do want to divorce. We get into uh, what the early church dealt with, Gnosticism. 
this idea that, well, the physical is somehow just not all that there is or, or, or just sinful. The only thing that, that, that of the mind, that of the spiritual level, that's what we want to obtain. But mm-hmm. that's not scripture. And as Christians, sometimes we fall into that. That's and, pagan. And, that's pagan thought. Exactly. And we get into this dualistic thought of what I would call escapism. I, I'm not really here. I, I, I'm just I'm meant for somewhere else, and so I'm I'm thinking that's God ordained us to live in this world. And when we get to heaven, we're going to find this is the new earth. Um, we're, we're not leaving here, but we are going to experience it without sin. Mm-hmm. And so we have to. As you've uh, emphasized over and over again, live in the already not yet uh, frame of mind that, you know what, God has me here in this world. John 17 is very clear. God does not want to take us out of this world, but Mm -hmm. he has put us here. Now he wants us to be uh, sanctified here in this world, and we need to maintain our relationship with Christ while here in this world. But this is my father's world. Mm -hmm. Uh, Satan does not dominate here. Uh, God is in charge, and once I realize that, I can already begin to see that God's in charge now, but we'll see that in a much deeper way, in a much more experiential way in the future. I think what you're pointing to is really important. You know, for our listeners at home, if they're if they're wanting, uh, if they're searching Scripture in their minds, yeah. thinking, "Why well, he mentioned, uh, you know, being." Uh, anti-physical and, and being pagan in our thinking you know you see that in Acts 17 mm-hmm. you know where Paul is preaching at the Areopagus yeah. uh, to a, a mixed multitude of, of thinkers and their Stoics and Epicureans and, and philosophers with Platonic thought and many of them if not most of them imbibe that idea that it is what is of the mind that is spiritual and the body um, is is evil and the body the flesh is is benign at best, evil at worst, and that what really matters is what is spiritual. And that's why many of them could justify living very sordid lives, because right. what you do with the body, in their view, yeah. doesn't matter. And that's that thinking comes to the forefront in Acts 17, because they were listening to Paul. He says, you know, you have the altar to the unknown God, I perceive that you're very religious, and they were longing to hear something new, but then when he spoke of the resurrection of the body, yeah. is when they scoffed and mocked and dismissed him, and only, right. a, only a few uh, came to Christ that day. So why did they struggle with the resurrection? Because it revealed how it went against the grain of their thinking. They were thinking bodies are bad, only spiritual matters, only the yeah. mind matters. But then when Paul mentioned the resurrection, they, they mocked and they dismissed him. And so I think that goes to show um, how we ought to be non-pagan yeah. in our thinking that Scripture, a word like glorified or glorification, is pro-physical. Yeah, you know, the new heaven and new earth is pro-physical. We're going to have resurrected bodies. Um, I mean, if I were to, to die today, by God's grace, I'll go to be with my Lord spiritually, but my body stays behind. But that that's not what I see with Christ. He was raised from the dead in a body, and he fellowshiped in a body. And it, that's, that's the hope that we yeah. will have as well. It's pro-physical. So we're not just kind of disembodied spirits floating around and, you know, like you said, playing harps or anything right. like that. But I think you said, what is the, how do we stay balanced or what's the application point? There's that old saying of, you're so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. Yeah. Um, I don't know that that would, I, I probably fall on the other side. 
that when it comes to something like glorification and the new heaven and new, and new earth, I don't think I think about it enough. Um, I think I'm a practical pagan in some ways, yeah. you know, and that ought not be because Paul thought about the resurrection a lot. I mean, just read Paul's letters and look how many times yeah. he references the resurrection of Christ and his resurrection. Think of the book of Philippians. It, it factored largely in Paul's day-to-day life. And if I were to ask most Christians, myself included, hey, do you think about the resurrection today, your own? Most would say, uh, no. Yeah. But Paul did. And so I think we can take a cue from that and say, I, ne- I need to think about that a yeah. lot more. You know, I, I think we also see the spill over into we want to divide our spiritual lives from our regular lives. Mm-hmm. That's why you can see people walk inside of a church and you know, say amen at the right time, sing the songs, pray the prayers, and then walk out and live like the world and live in complete debauchery. But in their mind, they're thinking, okay, I'm doing this now, but that's not really the real me. I mean, I have a spiritual life too, and and mm-hmm. so I have this division in my mind, but that's never what we see in Scripture. Uh, these two are obviously closely connected. I think of First Corinthians 15. Uh, we're talking about the the resurrection, and Paul saying, "Okay, this is going to happen." So, what's the application? And and Paul says, um, "Well, I'll, I'll read this here." Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trump will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on the immortality, then shall come to pass a saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So therefore, get on your white robe, head to the mountain, and just wait. No, he says, <laughs> Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast and moveful, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. So the, we think about glorification. The application is not, hey, just wait for heaven. Paul says, go out and live. Because we know Christ has already conquered. Victory is already gained. There is no reason for us to be discouraged in the battle and to be uh, have a spirit of, of giving up when we see it seems like the whole world is against us. Mm-hmm. We know this, this, this present world is not reality. It will be broken. We will enter in uh, to, to God's kingdom and and welcome him as king over all the earth. Therefore, live like that. And like you said, go out and live life. Yeah. Um, I think this understanding helps us to enjoy the good things that God gives right. in this in this life as well. Because they're meant to be pointers. You know, I think it's Piper, the, John Piper, that says, many things are signs pointing forward to yeah. joy in his presence. Right. Um, so my relationship with my wife, who I love dearly, it's a real reality now. But it, in right. some sense, is a shadow of the type of fellowship that we'll enjoy when we're in glorified yeah. bodies. Not just her and I, but the whole host of heaven right. together, past and, and present. Uh, but also things like food. You know, I'm not going to mention the coffee thing again because <laughs> it's a sore subject on our show. But, uh, but you know, a good food, a good meal is something to be enjoyed because we enjoy it now. We say, Lord, this is good. We give thanks. But also our minds are shooting forward 
to say, what will the marriage supper of the Lamb be like? What, what will food taste like right. in a glorified body? What will fellowship be like in a glorified body? What will worship? Yeah. I mean, so many believers that go to worship and they're distracted in their minds or they having a hard time understanding the sermon because they're tired or their bodies are languishing or they're ill or, you know, imagine worship where there, or there's, you know, there's jealousy or sin issues and relationships that, that interfere with our time of worship. Um, what will it be like when the means of grace stop? Yeah. When prayers cease, when the Lord's Supper, you know, the means of grace that we have now to give us foretaste, when the means of grace stop and faith gives way to sight. Right. It's an amazing thought. And I, to my own chagrin, we should think about it more right? Uh, in a pro-physical sense and not in an ethereal, escapist kind of way. Yeah. And I think we should. It's called our blessed hope. And if you want hope, you you need to think that way. I, right. I think many of us are very far short of really running afoul of the being so heavenly-minded we're no earthly yeah. good. I, I just don't meet many people that way. All right, so what are some resources we could recommend to those who want to dig a little deeper? You know, I was thinking, I knew that question was coming, and I think being that this is kind of the last of our, our yeah. series, I would recommend, I was going to recommend the bigger version, but I don't think that would be fair because most people don't have time when they're working and you know, tending to things. But Wayne Grudem's Bible Doctrine. Yeah. It's a smaller version. I mean, it's still four or 500 pages, but it's very right. user-friendly. It's a smaller version than his systematic theology. So I think if we've covered so much of systematic theology in this show, get Bible Doctrine. Uh, yeah. by Wayne Grudem, G-R-U-D-E-M. There's uh, application questions in there. Yeah. There's scripture memory at the, each, at the end of each chapter. Um, and you'll cover things like justification, predestination, right. glorification, the intermediate state. It's all there. Uh, so I would recommend Bible Doctrine. There's also some great online resources that you can get in conjunction with that. I, mean, I use it to teach high school students. It's understandable. It's, it, you, can, you can work with it for sure. Mm-hmm. Very much so. The other book I would recommend... Um, I was just thinking of it uh, as you were opening up the program. Uh, I can't read my Oh, Foundations of the Christian Faith by James Boyce. is It's, it's basically a Bible doctrines book. It's very understandable. And the section on heaven and glorification is, is really just great. He uses some great illustrations uh, and paints just a, a wonderful word picture. Uh, you'll want to pick that up. Um, it's really the first, well, the first real theology book I remember reading cover to cover. Um, back in college. So Foundations of Christian Faith by, by James Boyce and Bible Doctrines by Wayne Grudem. And uh, there's even a shorter uh, book. If you're if, if four or 500 pages intimidates you, there's a, what, 120-page book. Uh, I can't even think of the name of it now. 20 Things Every Christian Should Know by Wayne Grudem. Yeah. And so pick that up if, if not. But uh, we hope that we've, we've really whet your appetite and... Uh, Thank you, Pastor Aaron, for, for joining us these past couple of weeks. Oh, and uh, next time I'll have the coffee ready. <laughs> and I'm hoping that Reformed Roasters will sponsor the podcast at some point. And, uh, that would be great. But maybe Christ will return before that happens and, and we'll be in glorified bodies. Having and then coffee. you won't need your coffee. It, well, coffee will probably be the preferred drink in heaven. Um, I'm just guessing. I'm, but I'm it, picturing streams of Coke, but you know, whatever. Um, Kevin, let, let's take this off the air. We need to pray. Um, <laughs> All right, well, before we get too far into this, all right, well, thank you again. Thank you for listening. Check out our website, www.basicbiblepodcast.org. And all of these resources we've been talking about are on that website and uh, attached to Amazon links, so you can uh, purchase that. And purchasing that helps the podcast as well. They're affiliate links, and we'll have all of these links that we've mentioned. So check that out, or check us out on Twitter. 
for the latest update at uh, Basic Bible Cast. So join us next week. We'll have another great guest, better than this one, hopefully. No, uh, <laughs> have to see you next time. <laughs>